0: Hey listeners, this is Dan, the producer of Useful Idiots, and before we get into the show, we just have a quick editor's note. In this episode, our guest John Kiriakou states that Matthew Cole gave a classified name to Guantanamo Bay Defense Attorneys... And that the FBI was able to identify Kiriaku as the source through a connection back to Cole. Matthew Cole categorically denies all of these allegations and further denies that he helped or provided any information to the FBI. Matthew Cole also denies other characterizations by Kiriaku of the events, and we have edited the segment to better reflect what's on the record about this case. That's it, let's get into the show. Welcome to Useful Idiots. I am Matt Taibbi.
1: I'm Katie Halper.
0: And a lot of things happened last week.
1: A lot of things did happen last week.
0: And we'll get to, like, two of them.
1: Yeah, at least.
0: So we have an interesting show. We're going to have a former CIA officer... John Kiriakou on, a controversial figure, a former whistleblower is gonna to talk to us about a bunch of things. His story is kind of relevant to a few things that are going on in the news lately, so it's gonna be interesting to talk to him about that. Yeah. Also some uh, some stuff going on with people that we know. Yeah, uh, Max Blumenthal. A, a Max Blumenthal, reporter. I think it's sort of, it's on us to sort of raise awareness about this. It's on it, us. Yeah, yeah, because I don't, I don't see, um, more reporters should be nervous about what happened. Yeah, and, right, uh, we see, we'll not. get to
1: that, but it's like the Assange factor, where right. there's an ick factor.
0: Right, yeah, right. So no one, no one's Craig. rising yeah. to his defense, yeah. and they should, because this, this is a freaky little incident that yeah. happened. So let's get to the uh, the four food groups. Right. Uh, we have four, only four stories. Republicans suck. Democrats suck. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that weird? And we have a lot. I mean, as always, a lot of Republicans suck. But what do we have for this week? Uh,
1: so today, I thought I'd focus on uh, the story about Katie Hill, the California Democratic Congresswoman. Crazy story, yeah. Yeah, and she um, she's announced that she's going to resign because she did admit to having a relationship with. The campaign aide before coming into office, but um, also she's basically the victim of revenge porn. She has a dick of an ex-husband. He should get her big dick energy of the week prize, probably. (laughs) She's a big dick energy bearer. Okay, I'm going
0: to stop you right there. If you run for Congress, I I just think you have to take into into account that your entire past is potentially going to revenge porn you right I yeah mean,
1: revenge porn by her past yeah but i also don't think it should be grounds for no i don't think so either i right. think this
0: whole thing was crazy it but was, yeah. yeah
1: and yeah. like so okay so her th- the thing is that this whole thing with the relationship with the aide, the, hu- the husband says that they were in a thruple a thruple yeah he and the aide and the and katie hill okay that's a three person couple
0: a throuple. Yeah. So that's like a continuous, it's not like a menage. It's not just no, a. No, I guess, sex right. It's thing. more of a
1: relationship.
0: So the, do you go out together? Who picks I don't up the know.
1: check? No, unclear. Right? That's a good question. Yeah. Well, hopefully the husband. Right. Because I would like him to suffer as much as possible.
0: So they were in, they were in a throuple. Yes. And somebody got cut out?
1: Oh, maybe the husband. I don't know, honestly. But the husband's okay. very mad. Maybe it's because okay. of that. Right. But the reason we know about this is because Red State Org, that heinous right-wing uh, website, and the Daily Mail, which is a heinous, just like a political website uh, from you mean like from the England. Daily Mail. Yeah, the British one. I have which, written which gives for the us Daily Mail. A, you have? Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A long time ago. Though. Well,
1: you besides yeah. your piece, a heinous. I mean, I was just
0: the uh, uh, that was from Russia. I was just sending them stuff. You know, secrets no, about no, the no, United no, no, States. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So they published these things of her, photos of her, and uh, she has accused the husband, rightly, I think, of a smear campaign built around cyber exploitation. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, you have people at Red State now tweeting, um, like, endure- so she resigned, right, right. And now you have people at Red State who are tweeting about how people should vote for her opponent. So this, this, the ju- the journalist at Red State who wrote about this said. Um, she tweeted, if you want to help us flip Katie Hill for CA's former blah, 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 seat back to red, please learn about Mike Garcia 2020 and contribute to his campaign. She's an editor of Red State, the person who tweeted this, which is like a little bit, I mean, way to wear your agenda on your sleeve. Right. I guess I kind of almost admire
0: it. I just hate this kind of politics. This is, the, this is, this is. Just yeah. disgusting politics. Like, let's just do whatever we can to get this person out of office, and and then we'll put our person in there for whatever yeah. disgusting political reason they want to do that. And I mean, also,
1: she should have stayed. She shouldn't have resigned. Should I don't have. blame her though. I kind of blame the party. So this is one of those Republicans suck, but also kind of Dem suck. Because yeah, they should have. They, they should have. F- yeah. Right. And also, you—they're. Lo- I mean, you almost don't have to deal. You almost don't have to deal with the relationship thing because it's so shrouded in the revenge porn mm-hmm. that all they could do, they all they needed to do would be defend her on the revenge porn front, and then right. that other thing is kind of taken care of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the only thing you can say is that, you know, t- technically speaking, when a boss has a relationship with you know somebody that they're who's working for him or her, right. that it's never. Co- just clearly a private sure. matter, yeah. right? So you, you, you could make that argument, but that's not the argument they made.
1: Right. They made, yeah, the the argument
0: they made is there's just like a tawdry thing and that you yeah. should you should bow out because it's like ugly or something like right. that, which I, I, I totally disagree with.
1: Yeah, and this is where we could take a page from Trump, honestly.
0: Yeah, well, Be
1: like, just who, like, you know. I mean, not like hate immigrants and Muslims. I mean, take a page from Trump as in like, whatever.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, put, put it on the list of 9,000 other things I've done wrong like you yeah, know, get, and, get in line. Yeah, and it's not yeah.
1: comparable at all, you know, and he's, you know, whatever. He has extramarital affairs, and uh, well, I mean,
0: you're, you're actually, you're making a joke about that, but that's actually one of the things that people like about Trump.
1: Right, I know. So yeah. why well, maybe we could get into that area. Yeah. The Dems yeah. could, could uh, try to catch up there.
0: I think I, people actually should go out of their way to do something. Me too. They should make it
1: up, even if it's not true.
0: Right? I did something really obnoxious, yeah. and I'm going to stay in office no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So So, for Democrats Suck, we have, uh, this is, yeah, there was a lot, but this, um, the editorial by Rahm Emanuel in the Washington Post, which I think was, first of all, he's just a classically terrible person, Rahm Emanuel, he's he's just unlikable.
1: Didn't he put a dog head on someone's uh, doorstep? Did he? A dog or a fish.
0: Okay. I'll look into it. Yeah. yeah, we should look into that. So, uh, so he writes an editorial for the Washington Post. Someone needs to say it. Medi- Medicare for all is a pipe dream, which is just a you know.
1: Someone needs to say it? Like yeah, it's it, never it, been said. Yeah, before. it's like it
0: hasn't been said by five, Talking ten, point. you know, 10 million people on, in every major press organ. But there's a couple of annoying things. He says when it comes to health care reform, Democrats need to mind three basic rules. Uh, first experience teaches us that as much as Americans hate the status quo, they're not too excited about change either. So this is the person who was the, the, the right hand man for the change candidate. Yeah, and he's you're basic, right. He's basically telling us that, yeah, so let's not get let's not go over, over that change thing because actually when you get right down to it, Americans don't really want change. I is, guess he would
1: know because he, he yeah, worked I guess, on that campaign. I guess right? he
0: would know. And this so is the other thing about this that's really obnoxious is and so he goes through all the reasons we shouldn't have Medicare for all, and and uh, but he, you know, both he and the post leave out the fact that you know Rahm Emanuel now has gone to work this year with a uh, a bank called the CenterView Partners. I think it's a private equity firm, and they advise a series of healthcare companies. There's Oris Health, the Ray BioPharma, RA Pharmaceuticals. So he has a direct a stake in all of this, right? right? And this is just the classic thing that you see constantly now in the press where we're not telling you what the other person's affiliations are, right? They they might work for, you know, a think tank, like the Atlantic Council. A lot of Atlantic Council people are on TV lately. You're not, nobody's being told about that. But this is, this is just really bad. It's a classic sort of campaign faux pas to do this. And, uh, and you, see, someone this needs is to what say people should get, I know. That's yeah. so stupid. I know. It's crazy.
1: Like, at least be like, look, I'm going to repeat the tired talking point. Right. That yeah. That you've says. already heard yeah. 50 million yeah. times
0: already. But uh, see,
1: that's the type of thing Democrats should get in trouble for. Not right. the Katie Hill thing. Yeah, let's exactly. Make, let's make people who do that resign. It's disgusting. Right. Yeah. And
0: this is the, this is the, this is the thing with the Democratic Party is that they feign you know social concern right. or they talk about it a lot, but then they also have you know somebody putting a whole bunch of money either into their campaigns or into their personal yeah. pocketbook, and that just affects the decision making. And then which the media the doesn't reveal it. <laughs> right, That's yeah, like exactly. the worst
1: part. They totally enable it. So so less lib. Less lobbying, more thruples.
0: Right, more thruples. That's my yeah, that's exactly. My advice for the thruples champs. are great. I yeah, like that we we're have. Pro, a, yeah. This is
1: a pro thruple sh- podcast.
0: Right, right. Well, uh, so terrible. We have kind of a key thing. You want? To-
1: oh yeah. So my isn't that terrible is actually about um, Elijah Cummings, who is a congressman who died earlier this month, and uh, it's nice that Obama spoke at his funeral, and it was actually very moving. And he was only 68 when he died, Elijah Cummings. Wow. And he was someone who, like Trump said, really disgusting racist things about because he's mm-hmm. from Baltimore. right? And that's yeah. the, the district he represented. But, you know, That someone, was one
0: of the... Was it shithole city? What, would he, what did he say? Over I it? don't
1: remember. I forget. Like rodents or something? Rodents, right. Yeah. That was a we'll, rodent we'll thing. is the other thing. So that, yep. yeah, shithole's the country. Country, right. Yeah, he's very... He has different geographical systems. But another guy died. Another guy. Another congressman died. John Conyers. And I feel like... He didn't get enough love. Cummings got a lot of love, which he deserved. wasn't crazy about his politics. He was a bit of a, h- hilarian, a hilarian, Clintonian, a oh,
0: Clintonian. Mm-hmm. But he
1: was a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. I know this because I'm a nerd who watched the Democratic Platform Committee hearings.
0: You watch um, that? Yeah, like voluntarily. Yeah. Okay. Jim
1: Zogby's amazing. Ben Jell is amazing. Nina Turner, great performances. Um, so, so Cummings was pretty nice, even though he was in this terrible position where he had to oversee this. Terrible, terrible people like uh, Nira Tanden and and I mean that's enough. But other, right. other, other like Nira Tandon
0: and Near Tandon. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Like just pretending that they're four things. Like right. we all agree, but we all agree that we want healthcare. It's just that we have different ways to get there. Which is no, we don't agree. You right. guys don't want universal. Somebody the just died on out. set. Yeah, someone that's just terrible. died on set to show us the importance of healthcare. <laughs>
0: but we're gonna we're gonna move on. But we're
1: gonna yeah we got to put because we're so committed to getting the word out there. <laughs> that's right. Um. So anyway, Elijah Cummings, RIP, and his his father was a sharecropper. He has a really interesting bio. But I want to give some love to John Conyers, who was the longest-serving African-American in congressional history. Now, he did die at 90. I feel like this is a maybe, like, isn't that terrible which is more terrible? We could do a, a little right. calculation, although maybe that's not very, that's a little gauche to do with people dying.
0: Yeah, I mean, All right, we don't have
1: to make it that way. But what about if we just make it, isn't that terrible that John Conyers isn't, isn't that terrible that, Elijah Cummings died and John Conyers died and that John Conyers isn't getting more love.
0: Yes, okay, that's terrible. Okay, that's terrible. Yeah. So
1: he was a real leftist, by the way. He opposed Vietnam. He opposed the Iraq War, the Persian Gulf. Um, He was not your um, run-of-the-mill dem. He fought tirelessly to make Martin Luther King Day a thing Mm -hmm. and not later on. Like, literally, he started the day after he was killed. Yeah. That's, like, very industrious. He did then... Resign in 2017 because he was accused of um, some uh, sexual misconduct, harassment of AIDS. He denied it though. Mm-hmm. And so it's sad because that is kind of, sh- I think, sh- shrouding his, uh, overshadowing his, his career. Right.
0: It's casting a pall.
1: Thank you. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. And he was just, he was really great and very progressive and, um, much more progressive than anyone. He also got, he was famous for how he dressed, and um, he he's one of these guys who I think got better looking as the years went on.
0: Uh-huh, really? So, yeah. There's like some stuff coming out in this show.
1: Re- why? What else did I say? I don't know,
0: the throuple, your, oh, your, yeah. your, your, your I mean, I'm I am not
1: know. I I'm just, I'm just trying, oh, he was called a district dandy. Dandy? Yeah, GQ called him one of the district dandies, and he was a lover of the music of John Coltrane. Uh, he hosted a jazz program on a Washington radio station in the 1970s. He got Congress to pass a resolution designating jazz as a national American treasure. And he played the cornet in high school.
0: Excellent. And and so basically you're upset that people were mourning Elijah Cummings more than comments.
1: I want both. I'm not, you know, it's not a zero-sum game, but yeah, I would like some. You
0: think there should be like equity and mourning? More equity,
1: mourning. Mourning mourning equity, yeah. All right,
0: that's fine. Okay, isn't that weird? And again, this is just for you, even though you deny that this is something that really matters to you. Uh, Cats are killing otters.
1: I hate cats. You hate cats? And today is National Cat Day, and I was upset about that. Yeah. That would have been my. Isn't that terrible? But I didn't want to seem too cataphobic. More because I'm as a dog ally, I don't want to make that PR move. Right. I need to build more canine ally- allies. Uh huh. But okay, yeah. Tell me about this.
0: Basically, there's a, a rash of sea otter deaths in the Pacific, and this is tr- it's turning out to be uh, associated with toxoplasmosis. So I'm going to assume I'm going to that that's poop, right? So that's cats are po- and cats. bobcats are pooping and cat poop is now getting into the ocean somehow and killing otters and um which is just disgusting and terrible and i thought that would make you sad so that's why this is an, thank you yeah, yeah. Does I, it?
1: I do i love otters you
0: love otters yeah are they the only animals that use tools
1: do they what do they
0: use it, it, the things right they use rocks to open shellfish don't i they? didn't
1: know that yeah do they wear little bibs
0: um no they don't wear oh, little that would bibs be cute, yeah, like no.
1: when we eat lobster
0: right so that's really, that's that's cool of them, but they're, you know, cats are killing them. There's just too many cats.
1: Yeah, I know. We right? should kill, I want to get if rid of the, cats. O- if, if
0: this story went the other way, of otters I'd were killing pro, cats. I'd be very
1: pro-caticide, right? yeah, yeah. On, the, uh, on the part of otters, and right. they could use tools on them.
0: It just It's just remarkable to me that there's enough cat and bobcat feces to have this phenomenon actually be observably... Happening, you know. Yeah, you're right. They're yeah. very
1: prolific, I guess, yeah, when it comes yeah. to bowel movements. Yeah, they're so gross, cats. Sorry. Are you cats a cat person? Great. I'm not a dog. I'm a dog person. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so funny that you. Um,
0: so the hell with cats and Potsy of America. Dog.
1: Yeah. To hell with both of them. Rate right. us because you want to. Give a big f you to 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 Pod Save America
0: and cats to
1: cats and sharks and sharks. I hate sharks. Right, It should all
0: be thrown into yeah. a
1: and Anderson Cooper is a big shipping container
0: together. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: with, filled with cat feces.
0: Right, right, exactly. With uh, and sorry, John, They should, John all, they and should John. all get toxoplasmosis. Yeah. All right, so that's that was uh, by the
1: way that was from Kale Fisher. He gave us that that heads up.
0: Yeah, I think re- readers Twitter. readers are re- the tweeters yeah. are becoming more helpful. Obviously, we're slacking on the work departments. They're helping helping both. No, rest, well, so that's good. we're just
1: trying to Ban the media democracy.
0: Right, we're right. trying to
1: democratize the media.
0: All right. Well, thank you to Kale Fisher, yeah. and that was uh, the four food groups. So let's yeah. move on to the discussion this week.
1: Before we move on, though, um, because I always like to back up my my attacks on people. Your
0: unsupported live statements. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, they are supported right okay. now. I mean, the shark stuff. That's that's a deeply held belief that right. I don't have to justify. They are sociopaths. We all know that. Uh-huh. But. Um, I referred to some kind of animal head or animal carcass that, that Rahm Emanuel uh, left, and it's true that he did send an enemy, a dead fish, with a card that said, it's been awful working with you.
0: So is that like a sleeps with the fishes thing, or is that fish and visitors think in three days? What is that? I don't that?
1: know, but he sent it to veteran Democratic pollster Alan Secrest. Secrest. What's, so, this, what's
0: the is there like a, the theme with the show of politicians killing animals? Oh,
1: wait, what else? Oh, my God. Yeah, killing Klobuchar, a duck, or, yeah. Right, but, we, you know, Rahm is such a coward. I bet he got it killed. He didn't kill the fish right. with his own bare hands. He didn't hands. catch the fish, for sure. He didn't sure. catch it, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Also, Rahm Emanuel looks just like Christopher Columbus.
0: That is true.
1: It's very weird. So, Matt, you had a tweet that went kind of viral. Yeah, I
0: mean, it was like an offhand thing. I... I you know, I noticed I was watching a, a CNN clip last Friday, and I just tweeted out something because that I thought was interesting, and it got like. I don't know twenty thousand likes and it was rocketing around right wing media, which wow. is always a little odd. But uh, so basically, this, this, this is this is an okay. interview that CNN did with James Clapper, the former uh, director of National Intelligence, who I incorrectly called the DIA, which is the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. So that's no that's no fun. I made a little error in the tweet. Don't feel
1: too bad because it's not like you, um, you know, were involved in droning people. It's that, a I
0: error. haven't graduated to that yet. But but Clapper who uh, was one of the four senior intelligence officials in the Obama administration. He's being asked about the investigation by uh, John Durham into the origins of Russia Gate, and he says this very interesting thing at the end.
1: Okay, so want, want to play that?
0: Mm-hmm. What there you go. the then Commander-in-Chief, the President Obama, told us to do, yeah. which was to assemble all the reporting that we could, that we had available to us, and put it in one report that the president could pass on to the congress and to the next administration and while we're at it uh... declassify as much as we possibly could to make it public and that yeah. and that's what we did w- and one, one it's kind one of issue, disconcerting I'm- now to be investigated for you know having done our duty and done what we were told to do by the president so there were some people who are upset and said oh you, you you took this quote out of context well um, yeah what's so, the significance so, of the so quote? The, what he says at the end there is it's disconcerting to be investigated for doing our duty, uh, for ha- for having done our duty, and for having done what we were asked to do by the president of the United States, right? And my observation was, like, boy, I bet Barack Obama is going to love that James Clapper is basically saying we're being investigated for something we were told to do by right. the president right and and there were some people who were saying this was taken out of context he's talking about writing a report to congress and delivering it to the next administration and he's just talking about investigating russian interference and so you're you're basically implying that that barack obama ordered him to do something illegal no that's that's it, it, people who heard the quote that way are misinterpreting it because all that other stuff that he's talking about is window dressing james clapper is not being investigated for doing his duty uh, or for preparing a report or for investigating Russian interference. They're being investigated for manipulating the FISA court, for illegal leaking, for improper use of informants. And so when he says it's disconcerting to be investigated for something that we were asked for having done what we were asked to do by the president of the United States, he's not saying Barack Obama ordered me to do something illegal, but he is saying Whatever we're being investigated for falls under the general category of something we were asked to do. Right. So he's setting up a future sort of line of argument or a defense. And I'm sure no matter what the truth is, Obama is not going to like that, yeah. right? Because it's, it's, it's pulling Obama into... A scandal that currently is sort of localized, yeah. And so, so that's what that's what I was talking about, and for and, and people got all bent out of shape about it and saying that it was taken out of context, but it really isn't when you think about it.
1: And what are just so listeners know and viewers know? What are some of um, Clapper's greatest hits?
0: Clapper's greatest hits. I mean, so he he was <laughs> he and and uh, and Brennan both have a history of both lying to Congress. Uh, they were both. Uh, sort of the senior intelligence officials who are on board with the uh, the drone assassination program, right. warrantless surveillance, uh, there, there was an episode. This was more Brandon than Clapper, but there was an episode involving uh, monitoring members of Congress who were looking into some of these things, torture. So he's, he's, you know, he's been one of the key sort of war on terror officials right. who spanned a couple of different administrations. Yeah. But this thing, this thing now, you know, he, he's a central player in what they're looking at and you're going to hear a bunch of people talking about um, you know whether they're upset or not about the direction of this investigation there was a lot of stuff that came out last week about this investigation and a lot of it has to do with i think the lawyers of the people who are being investigated complaining to reporters and they're all saying things along these lines like we we resent being investigated for something that we were just kind of told to do yeah so make him clap Right, yeah, <laughs> James Clapper, right, yeah. Yeah, all right. So let's talk about um, our mutual acquaintance, Max. Uh,
1: Max Blumenthal. Max Blumenthal. A uh, friend of, the sh- of my show, at least, friend of the Katie Halper show. Mm-hmm. He's been on the show. Um, and Max is someone who gets a lot of hate. Right. He's pretty um, brave. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good journalist. The thing about him is people hate him for lots of different reasons. But they smear him because you can- he doesn't get the facts wrong. So you can disagree with his, with his like, um, analysis or his takeaways or what he thinks should be done based on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one can really, none of, and he has a lot of critics, and, and a lot of people just go after him for, like, that he's toxic. Anyway, so Max on Friday was, uh, I think, awoken at 9 a.m. by D.C. police officers who threatened to break down his door. And he was hauled into a police van, taken to a D.C. Central Jail, where he was held for two days. He was shackled by his hands and ankles for over five hours. His request for a phone call was denied by police and corrections officers. So he didn't have access to the outside world. Right. Um, And he was told that he was informed, uh, that he was told that he was being accused of simple assault by a Venezuelan opposition member. Uh, He says that the charge is totally fabricated. And he, he claims, quote, it's clearly part of a campaign of political persecution designed to silence me and the Gray Zone for our factual journalism, exposing the deceptions, corruption, and violence of the far right when Venezuelan opposition. Gray's, the Gray Zone is a really great website uh, that Max is the, of which Max is the founder and editor. Right. The uh, warrant, the arrest warrant was five months old. Right. So that's sketchy. And, and as Max says, uh, if the government had at least told me I had a warrant, I could have voluntarily surrendered and appeared at my own arraignment. I have nothing to fear because I'm completely innocent. And what's interesting is that Max actually, he and other people at the Grey Zone, like Anya Parampel and Alex Rubenstein, Rubenstein who contributes to the Grey Zone, they were embedded in the embassy with peaceful activists, peace mm-hmm. activists and peaceful activists. And Max, I think, was involved, what they're accusing him of, is helping get food into the embassy, Uh, uh which they did because these, now, look, I don't really care what you think about Maduro and Venezuela, the people outside the embassy are bad. They were bad people. Mm -hmm. They were abusive. They called people racist slurs. They called them sexist slurs. There's footage of a guy that I think um, someone got that that Max tweeted out where he calls this woman a little bitch. They're really, like, scum, these people. They're reactionary. Someone else who was, who was arrested, Ben Rubenstein, the, br- the brother of journalist Alex Rubenstein, he also was in the nonviolent uh, legal food delivery. He was arrested by Secret Service police officers. He spent 20 hours in jail alongside Jerry Condon. Now, Jerry Condon is president of Veterans for Peace, and he was arrested after being brutalized by Secret Service officers for attempting to toss a cucumber Inside an embassy window.
0: That's probably a first. Has anyone ever been arrested for throwing a cucumber before?
1: Cucumber penetrate. N- cucumber assault. There's no. a joke
0: in there somewhere. There's a joke yeah, that yeah. I cut out,
1: yeah. Um, I don't know what Max did. Maybe he like smashed well, so an arepa into someone's face or something.
0: Yeah, the thing that's troubling to me about yeah, this he is he the... Don't, he
1: don't like that joke. The what? My arepa joke. It was a good joke. Oh,
0: the, you had an arepa joke?
1: Yeah. What I said maybe he smashed uh, someone's face in with an arepa.
0: Like the cheese
1: thing? The, the, the meal. Yeah, the, the food. It's a Venezuelan food. Right. I just wanted it, yeah.
0: Uh huh. Um, oh, you just wanted to show me you could pronounce it.
1: Oh, no, not that. I do that all the time, but oh, okay. uh, I wanted to... Uh, it's like
0: saying Nicaragua.
1: Nicaragua, yeah. <laughs> Venezuela, yeah. Um,
0: the thing that uh, troubles me about this is that the... Uh, Normally, you you're not going to have an arrest five months after right. the fact, especially over something like this, and especially when a, when a member of the press is involved. Yeah. Like um the police normally won't go there. It's just too much of a hassle usually to deal dealing with arresting a, a journalist, um, unless there's something real there. And, right. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah.
0: And we're in an environment now where I think. It's it's becoming more and more acceptable to start putting pressure on members of the press in different ways. Whether it's, um, you know, we're going to talk to John Kuriako today. He was involved. He was one of the people who was sort of charged with uh, violating the Espionage Act for talking to a journalist, right? right? And so the next step in this progression is going to start is going to be leveling charges at reporters you don't like. All right, that's just going to be a right, thing, yeah. and I mean, you know, Max is kind of—he's the kind of person that would be one of the first people who would who would be uh, a victim of right. this kind of thing if they were if that was going to start happening. And, and um, because
1: so few, you mean, because he's so
0: uh, well, he doesn't have a whole lot of institutional support.
1: Yeah, and he's annoying, and he's, he's really got—he's
0: he's, yeah. got—he's got, he's got, he's got doesn't have institutional annoying support. Annoying the
1: best way, yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. No, in no all and always. And he so, yeah. was also, by the way, he was arrested literally hours after the Gray Zone published an article on USAID paying the salaries of. Guaya Guaido's team as they right. lobbied the US government. Guaido is the was the coup how would you call it the uh, the opposition's uh right. President of Venezuela,
0: right? So if there's even a hint that this was because somebody doesn't like his politics or his reporting or anything like yeah, that, yeah. Why
1: has that been five months? Later? So
0: yeah, and, and where? I mean, other reporters should just be like, hey, this yeah. this is terrible. Let's yeah. all like let's all make some noise about it yeah. and ne- make sure this doesn't happen. Nothing. Nothing because he's not, you know, Max is. He's like persona a, non grata. He's, yeah. He's not a member of the team. So let's you know, yeah. If it, I mean, if it was Jim Acosta, oh my you god, you know, like was. if he had to spend ten minutes standing next to a vending machine in a police station, he'd you know. Right. There, it, there be like you know a Nobel committee worried about it, but yeah. this this is the kind of thing that it's just troubling. I, I wish there was there were more people. Well, it's a bit like the
1: Assange it. thing, right? No one totally. will. I mean, who's like rotting away and and insane and I mean,
0: well, forget has about even Assange's person. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. His no. no, personal suffering. Uh, it, that yeah, whole right. incident is the, is so the, relevant right. to, to to journalists because right. they're criminalizing basically the the normal communications that. we're... We, yeah, we, it's we nothing new has nothing in 2016.
1: His his uh, what he's getting in trouble for. It's like for giving someone a password, right?
0: Well, for even for it's it's agreeing to look into trying to get a password, and and that's you know, I think any any reporter would tell you that you know, counseling somebody on how to avoid being detected, yeah, when they're is, a whistleblower, when they're a whistleblower, like that's something you know, th- th- this is the kind of the, the sort of normal stuff that goes on. Maybe you wouldn't actually get the the, the password for them, but. But, you would just and, tell and, them you would, and that's only. Yeah, you you might. Yeah, no, and and but, but there's also that's not the only count in the Assange thing. A lot of it, the other counts are things like receiving defense national defense, right. defense yeah. information, which, which anybody who does reporting on national security like we we see classified or stuff we're not supposed to see all the time and if you if that that becomes criminalized then you can charge any of us at any time yeah and and so that's but nobody cares because it's julian assange and Max also
1: what i was reading from was um, an article at the gray zone published by ben norton and it's interesting that um, Kevin Gostola is the only other person who I saw write about this at Shadowproof. Oh,
0: really? I mean,
1: yeah. I, I googled Max Blumenthal Google News, you know, I and there was one, this, which was reprinted some places, luckily, thankfully. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. You'd think that this would be a story.
0: Well, look. But to you would. To be fair, yeah, Max has taken shots at a lot of reporters, and, right. and maybe they don't like that. I mean, he's taken shots at me in the past. But it. But he. But you've
1: forgiven him. Look, but, you're talking about him here. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, this is a this is a, a collective thing we have to worry about. Yeah, you don't and, just
1: defend people because you like them. Right. I mean. Yeah.
0: No. It's just there's no there's no sort of institutional self. Uh, pride, you know, in the in the business anymore. And the same just,
1: people who hate Max, by the way, will of, often hate us, mm-hmm. and they are very overt and open about. They're just like, shut him down, Rolling right. Stone, shut him down. Mm-hmm. They don't even pretend to, you know. There's no tolerance whatsoever, right? But right. we're gonna have Max on. We should have, Ma- and you guys can have like a rapprochement. You yep. can like pass, uh, well, you guys can pass the pillow. I'll mm-hmm. I'll mediate it.
0: Right, right, yeah. We'll smoke the peace pipe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, Max, I'm glad you're out of jail, um, and we're gonna follow this story. But again, if we only defended people who agreed with us, that would be a very scary and even scarier world. Right. So um, l- listeners may know I mentioned that Max is a friend of the show, of my show, the Katie Halper show, which I have. It's okay that I'm mentioning it because I always mention um, useful idiots on my show, so yeah. I think it's okay. And uh, I this week I released an interview I did with Chase Budine. Who is running for the DA's office in San Francisco? Now, there's something called the Katie Helper Show bump. Mm-hmm. It's happened a couple times and uh, it's happened again because I released the episode yesterday and right after, Amo Bernie endorsed Chase Boudin. Wow. Coincidence? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, maybe, but uh, that's Ch- like
0: Bermuda Triangle level stuff. I right? know you yeah. should. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll go through a list on another episode. I'll have my uh-huh. list of Katie Halbusho bumps. Any time a guest who went on wins an election, that's the Katie Halbusho bump. When they don't win it, it's a mo- It's kind of irrelevant, mm-hmm. um, or it's that they didn't come on early enough. Right, like Tiffany Caban came on a little late. I think if she had come on earlier,
0: right, that makes sense. Makes sense,
1: yeah. right? So mm-hmm. Chase um it's really fascinating. His parents were in the Weather Underground, mm-hmm. and his parents were convicted of driving a getaway car in a robbery that did kill three men. So it was very tragic, okay. and it wasn't like part of the plan.
0: Right.
1: But it's called felony murder, which is yeah. which you know, yeah. So when you're committing another crime and then a murder happens, so the mom was in jail, Kathy Boudin and David Gilbert. The mom was in jail for 22 years. The dad is still in jail, and mm-hmm. as of now, will die in jail. Hmm. Um. And he, this guy, this kid, Chasa, was a public defender, which makes a lot of sense because he was kind of on the side of the incarcerated. Right. And, but now he's doing that thing that Caban did or tried to do that Larry Krasner did, which is they go from the public defender's office to run for DA. Mm-hmm. And very sketchily, the San Francisco DA left a month early to, this was going to be the first open seat election for the DA's office in over 100 years. But the guy, the DA, Gascon, left early to move to L.A. where he's going to be the DA. And the mayor appointed one of the candidates to be interim DA, Uh uh-huh. a move that the ACLU condemned. Because it's basically like you're tilting the scales, but you're also kind of creating an air of the of incumbency by putting well, someone
0: or actual incumbency even
1: anyway, it gives the impression that you're running against someone. But Chase is a decarceral progressive. Uh, candidate, he's the best if you care about decarceral justice, so, um, and the interesting thing about decarceral progressive justice is that, and this is a reason it's becoming even more popular, is you don't have to be a touchy-feely kumbaya person, you can, like, not care about criminals and still think that and realize that recidivism rates are better, go down, when you have less punitive. A less pun- punitive criminal justice system.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely.
1: So chaseaboudine.com if you want.
0: You didn't tell me the felony murder part when you told me that the whether when the oh the you thought that they were just infringed. in jail for um yeah. for
1: like I don't know for they, organizing a peaceful protest. Yeah, I don't
0: know what that. Yeah, yeah that would do. wow, he's still in jail, but you oh know, yeah,
1: like, I was I was moved by that. I was like, wow, Matt, that's it's true. It is a travesty. Yeah, he shouldn't still he shouldn't be sentenced to die in jail for driving a car though.
0: I mean, it's murder.
1: It's felony murder, which it's you murder. don't believe in felony murder, do I you, do. as a charge? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So if you break a law, if you're giving someone a ride and it's, you have no idea, yeah, but I think that's not just because a friend of the show, Chase Boudin.
0: The concept is if you break the law, you, sh- you, sh- you should have to take into account all the things that could happen when you break. Oh, I'm not prepared to
1: debate this. I'll have to yeah. come on to debate it it's next a sort of time. It's
0: an age-old legal concept that yeah, you, but it's you, bad. you commit a bank robbery, someone gets shot, you're responsible for that.
1: Well, that is... What's really scary about it, though, is that when you're like you are picking up someone, there are lots
0: of, of stories where, that, you, where, where it's you,
1: really egregious, where and it you, where you have somebody who of of gets into now, a
0: course. car with a bunch of friends and they go to they, right. go, they go to a a, you yeah. know, a bodega and the friends jump out and rob the place and somebody gets shot. Yeah. Like that's a little that's that's a little different because you, then you're dealing with did, was the person fully aware? Were they were they 100 percent? Right like on board with right. the whole thing did they know what was going to happen yeah. but you know if someone goes I do into I think it's different
1: if you get into a car with someone the plan is like okay we're just going to rob these people and use But the, if
0: you do it with a gun then you, maybe you,
1: it's to scare them. What? <laughs> it's to scare them. I'll find out. I'm not making light of the. I'm not making light of this. Three men did die, but um, I don't believe in it. Not even because of the Chase Aboudian thing. Uh-huh. Anyway, so we're g- Chase is getting a split endorsement okay. from um, useful idiots. Although right. you may endorse him anyway. Yeah, yeah, we're no, I'm, I'm just not sure. Harder.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna exactly. have to.
1: Re- we're gonna have to get a. Gu- well, this would be a good guess actually, a constitutional lawyer or something right. to talk about this. Yeah. Um, so we have a little bit of time left. Quick thing. So Matt, you wrote a piece
0: over the weekend. There was a huge story. It started with Donald Trump tweeting something. Something big is happening. Nobody really knew what was what was taking place. And then it turns out that we find out that Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, who's the head of ISIS, um, was killed in a in a essentially a giant raid. Like he he was there was a huge American helicopter attack in the Idlib province, in Syria. And um, as he's running away, he gets chased into a tunnel by I guess dogs and um, Blows himself up. Right. There, that's that's kids. the and story that's come out. And I, I should preface this by saying it's very very common for Americans to announce that they've killed a terror suspect right. and then have a turn out that that didn't happen. But um, but in this case, it appears yeah. to have happened. And the entire press landscape went completely crazy. Like the like within ten seconds, the only important thing was who was getting credit for it. And this right. this one ha- this happened on both sides. Um, you know, Trump starts he gave a long rambling press conference where he said it was like watching a movie and he died like a dog like a coward and said it was even bigger than osama bin laden being done i mean it was it was, it was ridiculous
1: my favorite part is that he praised the beautiful dog talented the, dog the beautiful that talent that's so trump right? it's so trump yeah right? i wonder right? if he's gonna adopt the dog
0: what yeah i have yeah. him move into the white house oh my god yeah it'd be, it'd be his running mate yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um but then it's sort of equally insane was the the reaction in all those kind of like mainstream sort of blue leaning right. media like the, the the issue of what happened and who this guy was and why this was important and all that it was it was instantly not important the the first things that came out were everybody was upset because he didn't inform congressional democrats which like Imagine if that story of if when the bin Laden raid right. happened and Republicans said he didn't inform us. Right. People would have thought that was nuts. But that was one of the first things that came out. Then there was the Washington Post ran a, I guess it was technically an obituary. And it says, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, comma, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, comma, dies at 48.
1: That was the most insane thing I've ever seen this week.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Or this
1: month. I mean, that was insane.
0: What editor looked at that and said, I mean, well done. Right. A friend of mine was like, did they they lift that from the text of Gandhi's death or something like that? Right. I mean,
1: or from like a a fan of uh, Baghdadi. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would have it would have fit.
1: If he had a PR so, man, that's what they would have done.
0: Yeah, like a cleric who died in his sleep or something like yeah. that. Um, this says two things. First, you're saying kind of nice things about a guy who's got genocide in his record, crucifixions, sex amputations, slaves. sex slaves. Yeah. Um, then there's also the sort of passive construction dies at right. 48, like what of natural causes. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like
1: Cummings and Conyers. No, yeah. very different.
0: And that was crazy. And then they, they you know, uh, there was a public uproar and they they changed the headline, um, but they kept that construction in the lead. It's still there. Uh, the whole thing about the Australia uh, austere religious scholar with the wireframe glasses, that's still in what there. The,
1: is that just because they are so upset about ha- Trump being able to use anything? This
0: is the whole thing the, is the only question that matters anymore in American politics is who gets, who's getting the win? on the day's t- uh, headlines, right? So the the story didn't have any meaning for, for reporters on either right. side. Any, except for? Whether it was good for Trump or bad for Trump.
1: Trump is going to milk the political benefit of Baghdadi because he needs to because of impeachment and other
0: problems. Yeah, that, Yahoo, that was one of their stories. Trump is gonna milk this. The New York Times did. Baghdadi raid was complicated by Trump's plans to withdraw from Syria. There was another one, it happened in spite of Trump, not because of him. Trump's Uh, gloating
1: tone contrasted with the more measured tone of Barack Obama after the Bin Laden operation. That's, I guess, that is true.
0: It's true, but it's not like
1: the, it shouldn't be the headline, right? Right,
0: yeah, it shouldn't be. I don't know, like, on on that day, is that a story you you do? Then there was the whole thing about somebody, some guy who was the photographer for when Obama's thing happened, suggested that the whole thing, that this, the photo of Trump in the Situation Room was faked because uh, the timestamp suggested that the operation couldn't have been going on when when Trump was in the, and then later on he, he backtracked, but by then the cat was out of the bag, and we have more cats in the show. Oh, I know, so, um, so. And it was all over media that, that, uh, that Trump had staged his photo. Then there were people who were saying it was, quote, more staged than Obama's photo. And there were people who were worried about the fact that the ethernet cables in the picture weren't connected. They were like, oh, they they weren't really you know, tuned in, right. whether or what Like, who cares? It's a PR photo right. of the president. Like, he's not actually.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. I right? mean, it's, it's just, I, I'm actually almost impressed by the Trump is going to milk the political benefit of Baghdadi because he needs to because of impeachment and other problems. Because that's the type of thing that we would critique the media for focusing on. Like, but they're actually saying that. Like, right. our critique is like, look at how the media is only concerned with how Trump will use this politically. Right. But you don't usually admit that. Like they they shouldn't they usually pretend that there's something else besides their concern over Trump's using it politically. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, they're,
0: they're they're doing it while they're criticizing it. Like if you if you're worried about the guy getting play out of this, just yeah. don't cover it. You know, or or right or if everything
1: it. is seen through the prism of how Trump will use this or not use this, like there is there are things that just happen. Right. And also this makes again you've made this point a lot, which is that this just feeds into the idea now Trump would would like vilify the media no matter what but this feeds into it it's like why is this a relevant headline for, right. for this guy being captured why just, why does anyone care about i mean i've had progressive friends who are like upset about trump's you know handling of north korea because they don't want him to be able to use it during the elections right but he, don't, don't we care about and you, war and know, peace yeah, yeah this exactly. is the biggest the biggest like div, like i feel like divider you know edward snowden talks about how it's not left or right, the poles of left or right, but it's north and south, or it's vertical, like between authoritarian and mm-hmm. whatever the opposite is. I feel like the biggest divide now is is how anti-war you are. Like, it's just not a thing for lots of people. Right. Even people, I think it's the Trump derangement syndrome.
0: Yeah, no, the, 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 tr- Trump has superseded almost every other issue for, right. for a whole sect of people, and a lot of them are In the media, yeah, you know, um, Trump is just he he has he's over important to to them, right? Like they they can't conceive of news stories that where Donald Trump is the center of everything, right? So we don't they don't look at institutionally what's going on. They don't care whether whether this is a positive or negative development globally. Like you know, with the North Korea thing, yeah, you do probably want us to to negotiate with North Korea, even if it's Trump, like you know it may, who knows I mean, well what's the him?
1: alternative you want yeah. him to be belligerent right, like yeah. you say he's has dementia is Cheeto Mussolini and you want him to be a tough guy with him and Putin right. the people that you say are evil and can cause like a, a nuclear holocaust right what is the end game there yeah right? like That's when he never... says he
0: wants to withdraw from uh, a couple of years ago when we started talking about withdrawing from Syria yeah. like good like you know the, right. the last thing I want is this guy you know, know. anywhere near a military conflict it makes with no Russia sense. But... which is
1: like the, I think that oh, I always go back to that because it's like don't they get how incoherent their position is right but it's just because it's so reactive so whatever Trump does and it makes I'm tired of disclaiming or declaiming that I'm not a Trump fan which I'm not I really don't like Trump right but like it's not good organizing to just oppose whatever he does because he does it because bad people will do the right thing for the wrong reasons or every now and then for the right reasons maybe because the way political things happen But, yeah, just reacting to that is not how you do it. And if you want, I mean, there are a lot of arguments that could be made and should be made. Spencer Ackerman had a great piece on this at The Daily Beast about how we create these people. Mm -hmm. So, like, we kill these people. Of course. You know, that is something that we could focus on. And you could criticize Trump for failing to recognize because, of course, Trump just vilifies these people. Not that. I'm like a fan of this guy's. But he was in Abu Ghraib, they say. And we know how much the US military intervention radicalizes people.
0: Right, that should have been a, yeah. a big theme. Right. Like, what, is, is this really that big a deal? Because actually that what this what this whole episode shows is that we're going to be doing this forever because we right. create this pe- exactly. these people. Yeah. So you know? that's
1: a way the left or even like blue digital, you know, blue media could go after Trump and make a good argument, a coherent right. argument and also a moral argument. Which, but of course, they can't really make that argument either because they've su- been supporting these wars, right? So they're hawkish, but progressives out there who are good people and have a little bit of Trump derangement syndrome. I'm not chastising you I'm just giving you a, a tip. You could if you want to go after Trump. That's what you should be doing.
0: Yeah, right? and 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 conversely this kind of behavior it just It redounds to his benefit ultimately, right? If you if you view everything as being about Trump Right. He, that's good for him. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and this kind of stuff, like, just tell us who al-Baghdadi is, yeah. and, you know, probably objectively it's not a negative thing for, for, him, to, for him to have this happen, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, so, I mean, it's
1: probably not good either the way he, um, we'll see what happens, but it, it's not very good strategy to, it's not to, Surprising, but it's not great for Trump to talk about how he died like a whimpering dog. Oh no, no, that's right? t- that's that's that's, yeah. ter-
0: that's terrible, and and, and, and it's going to perpetuate this whole thing. Exactly. And, and and you know their the children died in this, this yeah, episode, kids were there, and yeah. so you know that that's going to be a recruiting. It's tool. funny how
1: it's not funny, but it's interesting. And this is another thing you could talk about, but like how he blew himself up, and Trump clearly was upset that because because he, he's Trump that. Like they didn't get to kill him, kill right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they cornered him and he blew himself up. But that's why I think he, he's he's going into such detail about this because he has to make it less about this guy blowing himself up. Yeah, no, up. that
0: just shows tr- the sadism of, yeah. of Trump, right? Like, I and like insecurity too, insecurity. Totally, he's, he's
1: upset that they didn't get to kill him and that this guy kind of like, you know, right? I'm not trying to. I'm not like all those things, things are true,
0: that, but um, just but, like you know. so what? You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's that's who the Trump. It's Trump is Trump. Just like you know. This also, this could have
1: been, isn't that terrible? Because the, but the dog survived.
0: The dog survived, right? I mean,
1: look, I don't want, I don't. It's terrible because the kids died too. That part is terrible, isn't that terrible? His kids. But also, my dad told me he was like, "Don't worry, the dog's okay." (laughs) Anyway. Anyway.
0: Crazy episode. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, really excited to talk to John Ki- Kiri- Kiriyaku Yasu. Mm-hmm. John, when you're about to be watching this. Um, John, by the way, is a CIA analyst.
0: Yeah, he was in the CIA for 14, 14 years. years. Started off in the Iraq desk, which he was originally told, incidentally, was something, a place that n- where nothing, nothing ever happened. happened. Right? Yeah. yeah. And Was he
1: at the Iraq desk or the Kuwait desk?
0: I think it was Iraq slash Kuwait. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We should look that up. Um, but yeah.
1: He exposed the Bush era torture program, became the only official jailed in connection with it. He's the author of Reluctant Spy, My Secret Life in the CIA's War on Terror, and his latest book is Doing Time Like a Spy, How the CIA Taught Me to Survive and Thrive in Prison. And you can find out more about him at JohnKiriaku.com or John Kiriaku on Twitter, and that is K-I-R-I-A-K-O-U. Just an unofficial bio. I want to give people this info. As an eight-year-old, he was a volunteer on the McGovern campaign, which I mentioned, st- which I will mention.
0: Because you feel At, a secret kinship with right, him, because, yeah, right? As an
1: eight, yeah, right, because I was a caucus person, and he yeah. uh, over-politicized. Maybe your kids are under. Maybe you were under-politicized, Matt.
0: <laughs> maybe that's um, what it is. <laughs>
1: but he also uh, he was recruited to the CIA by a psychiatrist to convince him to quit his job.
0: Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And he ended up being, believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was Saddam's biographer within the intelligence community. Oh, I didn't so know that. So that, that was another thing. So his star was attached to that.
1: Yeah, the only person. I can't believe it. And his story is
0: so weird. We'll get into it. But his story is so odd because what ended up happening was he, he was out of the CIA for a while. And reporters started coming after him because they were looking for... Evidence of a torture program, and they thought that he was involved, and he sort of inadvertently sort of confirms some things. That it, yeah, and that and in that ends up like sort of. Sucking him into this crazy situation where he's he's prosecuted, yeah. uh, so it's it's a it's a little bit different from a traditional whistleblower story. Uh, Who like go, but, sets out to do it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But you know he he you didn't back down right. from it. Yeah, exactly. It happened, he spoke so. out
1: against it, and yeah. apparently they were like he. You know they asked him at the CIA if he wanted to be trained in enhanced ter- interrogation, which is what they called the torture stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And, and like everyone else was like, yeah, sure, and he he didn't. So uh, without any further ado, let's talk to John, John Kiriakou. Wow, look
0: at that rhyme. John, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. This is Katie Halper, and you are John Kiriakou, right? I am. We should it's have a, a password. Thanks
2: for having yeah.
0: me. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. So really looking forward to speaking to you. There's a couple of things that are in the news that, that um, are, are kind of relevant to your story and your experience that I want to ask about. Um, you might have heard uh, recently uh, Bernie Sanders came out with a, with a, uh, a statement that he would um, – he would end the practice of using the Espionage Act uh, for people who talk to journalists, and that seemed directly related to what happened to you. Can you can you talk a little bit about just give us give us the background of what happened with you and how you came to be charged with the Espionage Act, even though that wasn't what you went to prison for?
2: Yeah, in 2007, I gave a nationally televised uh, interview to Brian Ross, who was then with ABC News, and in that interview, I blew the whistle on the CIA's torture program, and I called waterboarding torture. I said that I thought that it was illegal. The FBI began investigating me within 24 hours, as you might imagine. Uh, And they investigated me for a full year, from December of 2007 to December of 2008. And then they issued to my attorneys something called a declination letter, saying that they were declining to prosecute. I thought the case was closed actually took my wife out to dinner that night to celebrate. Wow. And what I didn't know was that four weeks later, when Barack Obama was inaugurated, uh, John Brennan, an old nemesis of mine from the CIA, asked the Justice Department to secretly reopen the case. And I had no idea that for the next three years my emails were being intercepted, my phone calls were being monitored, and that there were teams of FBI agents following me, not 24 hours a day, but sometimes um, as many as six teams following me. And then finally, in January of 2012, four years after I blew the whistle, uh, I was charged with five felonies, including uh, three counts of espionage. So the espionage charges stemmed from the ABC interview and a follow-on interview I gave to the New York Times, to Scott Shane at the New York Times, I hadn't committed espionage. And they knew I hadn't committed espionage. One of the things that we got in Discovery was a series of memos between John Brennan and Eric Holder. Uh, In the first one, Brennan wrote, charge him with espionage. And Holder responded, my people don't think he committed espionage. And then Brennan wrote back and said, charge him anyway and make him defend himself. And so that's what they did. In the end, I took a plea to a lesser count, uh, to violating the Intelligence Identities Protection Act of 1981. I'm only the second American who's ever been charged with that as a crime.
0: And that and was, was for was- the, I'm sorry to interrupt, that was for identifying, you were speaking to, was it Matthew Cole, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yes, and sort of inadvertently, like he, asked, he sort of prompts you to, uh, yeah. just to give the background, you were a CIA officer for 14 years uh, and basically, these reporters were after um, sort of the story about the use of waterboarding and torture, especially with Abu Zub, uh, Zub, how do you pronounce that? Zubaydah, right? Is that yeah? Zubaydah. Uh, Zubaydah. Zubeda, right. right? Yeah. Zubeda. And so they were. They were. Um, they were basically. He was prompting you for a name, and you and you sort of gave it basically right is yeah. That happened
2: yeah what he said was see, he told me he was writing a book on the abu omar rendition which is which is a rendition it's been covered in the in the media it took place in milan uh, we snatched this imam and sent him to egypt to be tortured and it turned out he was innocent so he asked me do you know Uh, any of these 12 names he asked me in an email and I said I I I don't know any of these guys kidnapping wasn't my thing at the CIA I didn't participate in kidnappings and um, he sent me a second list of 12 names and I responded saying you obviously know this issue far better than I do I really don't know any of these people and then he said what about the guy that you mention on page whatever of your first book I think his name is John and I said oh are talking about John Smith. I don't know whatever happened to him. He's probably retired and living somewhere in Northern Virginia. I confirmed that name to him. And so he took that name. He gave it to the Guantanamo defense attorneys. They put it in a in a classified motion uh, to the judge asking for permission to interview John Smith. The judge recognized the name as classified. He turned it over to the FBI. The FBI then traced The information back from the Guantanamo defense attorneys, eventually to Matthew Cole. And then I don't know if Matthew Cole ratted me out to the FBI or perhaps the FBI went into his emails, although he was a working journalist. And I find that hard to believe. But either way, they traced it back to me and then I was arrested and charged for it.
1: Who is Matthew Cole? He's a is he known as a journalist or he, he was yeah? He's
2: with The Intercept now. He doesn't write much, a couple of pieces a year. I understand that he married money, so he doesn't need he doesn't need the salary. <laughs> um, but he was briefly with ABC, briefly independent. He went to NBC for a little while, and now he's with The Intercept.
0: The really amazing part of your story to me was. The the espionage charge was just predicated on the idea that you talk to a reporter, an American yeah. reporter, right, or two yes. American reporters, basically, right? Correct. And and yes. you weren't the only person that this happened to, right? There were there were no there were there were a bunch of people, and especially in the Obama years, that they were they yes. they used this trick, and it it of course has a chilling effect, or it doesn't it? Has to, um, and. Obviously, you had to really worry about the gravity of that charge. I mean, how many years would, would that have carried if you had been? Getting-
2: forty-five. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was, you know, on the on the day of my arraignment, the the feds offered me forty-five years. They said, "Take a plea. You do forty-five oh years, God. and you might live to meet your grandchildren." And I remember, like, just being kind of in a fog. I was I was in a state of shock, and I remember saying, "I'm not doing forty-five minutes. I didn't do anything wrong." And then a couple of months passed, and they came back with an offer of 10 years. They said, take a plea to espionage, and you do 10 years. Get out in, um, in eight and a half. And uh, we rejected it. That was on a Monday. They came back on Wednesday with uh, eight years, and on Friday with five years. And my lead attorney uh, was a guy named Plato Kacheris, legendary legal figure in Washington, He said to me, you know, I've been practicing law in Washington for 53 years, and I've never seen them come down in time. If you reject a plea, they always go up in time, right? They offer you 10, Mm. you say no, they go to 12, then they go to 15. I said, why are they coming down? And he said, because they have a shit case, and they know it's shit, and we're going to trial. And so that conversation was in March of 2012. We went all the way up to trial in October of 2012 before we finally negotiated a plea wow. and what was the plea? The plea was to plead guilty to violating the intelligence identities protection Act For and I got 30 30 months in prison uh, I did 23 months
1: and did you have any idea when you Spoke out about this torture program basically that you would be facing potential jail time
2: no and and the reason why I didn't think so was because There are laws in this country that make it illegal to classify a crime. So if something is a criminal act or if it is classified solely because it's embarrassing to the CIA or the intelligence, intelligence community, it's improperly classified, which in and of itself is a felony. And so I believed then and I believe now that the torture program was a crime. And so exposing it was not a criminal act. In my view, it was a patriotic act.
0: You, you also, in the book, you talk about how you, you, you left the CIA in 2004. You just hadn't been following the news. You assumed that that was sort of widely yeah. known, right?
2: Uh, yeah. And, and they, they, in fact, they were in coming that, in, to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People came to me all the time. Journalists came to me all the time for background on the torture program. And I really had tuned it out. I, I stopped focusing on it and when it went on with my life. And uh, I just didn't think that I was saying anything that was particularly sensitive.
0: You said that Brennan was a longtime nemesis of yours. What was
2: that about? Like, what what, what are the roots of that? You know, John was one of these. But he looks so nice. His
1: face. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. His face.
1: Face only a mother could love. Probably not even that.
2: You took the words (laughs) right out of my mouth. So. You know, when I first joined the CIA, John was a GS-15. He was the deputy director of the Arab-Israeli analysis group, right? No big deal. Not terribly busy. And there's kind of a famous story inside the CIA. He went to his boss, a woman named Martha Kessler. Martha was the director of that Arab-Israeli intelligence uh, or analysis group. Martha was legendary because she was a published author, which is unusual for a CIA officer a sitting CIA officer. She wrote this book called Syria, fragile mosaic of power that we all had to read because it was the definitive work on Syria at the time. So she didn't like John and John was imposed on her and John went to her and said, Martha, I think uh, I'm ready to be promoted to the senior intelligence service and I want your blessing. And she said, not only will you never be promoted to the senior (laughs) intelligence service, I don't even want you working for me anymore. And she fired him. Wow. Now, when you're fired at the CIA, you're not actually literally fired. You have six weeks to walk the halls and find another job. And if you find another job, you're you're good. If you don't find another job, then they escort you to your car and tell you never to come back. Well, this happened the week before Christmas, 1996, and there are no jobs open the week before Christmas. The normal turnover is in the summer. So, John started walking the halls, and finally, he went to the PDB staff, the president's daily brief, and said that he really, really needed a job. And so, they had an opening, and they gave him a job doing the PDB briefing every day for the lowest ranking official entitled to a PDB briefing, and that was the National Security Council's Director of Intelligence Programs, who at the time happened to be George Tenet. Mm. Mm. They immediately hit it off. They're both like nasty, (laughs) cigar-smoking, filthy-mouthed, cheating on their wives. They're just awful, both of them. So wouldn't you know, a couple of months later, George gets promoted and he becomes the deputy director of the CIA. He he brings John back to the CIA with him and he makes John – the Deputy Director of the Office of Near Eastern and South Asian Analysis, Martha Kessler's boss.
1: Oh, wow! poor Martha. And the first
2: thing he does is he calls her in and he says, now you're fired. (laughs) And so Martha packed up her stuff and walked out and none of us ever saw her again. George took good care of John because they were friends. John had never served overseas before. But George made him the station chief in Riyadh, right, with direct access to the king, for example. And then when he came back from Riyadh, he made him the, the uh, executive director of the CIA, the third ranking official in the CIA. John was in over his head intellectually, but he was a, a terrific political knife fighter. And, um, you know, that was just never me. I, I was kind of the substantive nerdy guy guy. Um I ended up transitioning from analysis to operations and found that I had a knack uh, recruiting people, right? Your job is to recruit spies to steal secrets for you. I had a knack for it. I have a facility for foreign languages. Um, so John and I were on two completely different tracks at the CIA. He was all politics. I see.
0: Um so, well, we'll get back to John in a sure bit, but uh, there's a couple other things that are in the news that I really want to ask you about. Actually, uh, so recently there was a furor about um, Hillary Clinton uh, and talking essentially about Tulsi oh, Gabbard. Yeah. There's there's controversy about the word asset. Uh, yes. And you are in the CIA. What does the word asset mean?
2: The word asset has a very specific meaning in the CIA and the broader intelligence community. Asset means that You are being paid to provide either classified information or access to someone who has classified information Uh, in nine uh, times out of 10, 90 percent of the time. You know that you are being paid by the CIA or by an intelligence service and you are providing that service for cash. So to to and Hillary Clinton knows this. Right. Right. Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. She had a PDB briefing every day. She knew all about the terminology, so man, when I when I heard that word come out of her mouth, I thought to myself, "Blood's going to be spilled over this. You can't you can't just accuse someone of being a paid agent of a Russian intelligence service and not expect for there to be fallout."
0: But they they kind of fell back oh my on gosh, this. Yeah. That, oh well, we're not saying the person's a spy. Like you know, it's an unwitting. Yeah, they actually right?
1: mean they almost mean useful idiot. Like, right, yeah, that's exactly. what, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the name of our show. But but they're pretending right. that asset means unintentional.
2: Yes. Yes. That was that was some fancy footwork to cover yeah. up a, a major boner that she had made. Right. I agree with you. What she meant was useful, idiot, something that I've been uh, accused of being as well. Uh, but, you know, I think that 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 just doesn't fly.
0: Right. Yeah. Another thing that I think was the uh, story where you have some expertise and are able to talk about it's sort of. The this notion of what is a whistleblower, what isn't a whistleblower. You and I have spoken about this before. Um, when this Ukraine story broke, uh, the there was suddenly all this stuff in the news about oh, this we have to protect whistleblowers. Let's you know, they they occupy such an important role in society. And I, that just struck my ears so so strangely since we, that, that, that suddenly like a newfound revelation on the part of the, the press. What did you think when you started seeing the word whistleblower bandied about? And this person isn't necessarily not a whistleblower, but it just, right. it was odd uh, to me.
2: I wondered what you thought. Well, first I want to say how much I enjoyed that article that you wrote <laughs> in Rolling Stone. I, I got more mileage out of that article than I think I, I have out of any other article the last five years that that has mentioned me. In fact, um, it was your article, Matt, that that got me onto the Tucker Carlson show that night. Wow! Uh, and I repeated to Tucker what I had told you, and then sure enough, an hour later, Donald Trump uh, tweeted it. Uh, I was shocked. Right. I've never been tweeted by Donald Trump before. But yeah, I was a little shocked too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll repeat for for your viewers what you and I talked about that day. There's a legal definition of whistleblowing. It's bringing to light any evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, illegality or threats to the public health or public safety. Motivation is irrelevant, right, to be Mm -hmm. covered by the law. So with that said, my initial knee-jerk reaction was, oh, there's a CIA whistleblower and he's blowing the whistle on what he believes to be waste, fraud, abuse or illegality at the White House. But then i read the complaint and the complaint just didn't add up the law says that if a whistleblower comes across this information he has to report it to his immediate supervisor and then he and the supervisor go to the inspector general the inspector general does an investigation and then goes to the oversight committee we know that that's not what happened in this case what happened was he went to his supervisor the supervisor went to the ig that's all fine and good but then the IG went to the general counsel, the general counsel got the lawyers together, they went to the CIA leadership, then back to the IG, and then the IG went to the DNI IG, the Director of National Intelligence, and then to the Justice Department. So the system just did not work the way it was supposed to work. And then when you read this report, this is not written in the CIA's writing style. We know that the, that the so-called whistleblower is an analyst. I was an analyst the first seven years of my career. When you're hired as an analyst, you go to the farm, the CIA's training facility down south. And for six months, they beat into your head the CIA's writing style so that when you're writing for the PDB or you're writing a paper for the secretary of whatever, no matter who's writing it, it looks exactly the same. Right. right. The product has to be consistent. This was not written in the CIA's writing style. This was written in a legal writing style, which tell me tells me that whatever information the whistleblower had or thought he had, it was morphed into something completely different by a team of attorneys and by the CIA leadership. And so I don't think this is a whistleblower. I think maybe he started out as a whistleblower. But I think the whole process was hijacked by the CIA's leadership and the CIA's attorneys.
0: Right, right. Um, And you know, do you do you see? I mean, do you think that there was more than one person? I mean, it was very odd reading I the complaint. Like it, it even specifically references the idea that that it was that the information came in conversations with multiple colleagues. Um, it seems like a normal whistleblower wouldn't be able to share what was going on uh, no. if you're if you're you know at work. That's part of what be, why you blow the whistle, isn't it? I mean, I I thought that yeah. was an odd detail. You know.
2: That's right. And, and and presidential conversations like this are compartmentalized. So even if even if the whistleblower had access to the transcript or to the actual conversation, he would be forbidden from sharing it with his colleagues because the colleagues aren't cleared for it. They don't have a need to know. And so that bothered me, too. You know, we know from The New York Times and we know from Mark Zaid and we can talk about Mark Zaid in a minute, um, who's the attorney representing the whistleblower. That there are actually there were two whistleblowers. Mark Zaid apparently represents both of them. But there may have been more. And we know that there were these conversations that were that were taking place, you know, in the hallways with colleagues. So the the whole the whole situation is so muddy that I think that we really don't know what happened, but what we've been presented with this, this report uh, from the CIA. It just doesn't stand up.
1: You're a, a lifelong Democrat. I heard your um, really great interview with um, Paul Jay, and you talk about how you wow. like joined. That was the, a long time yeah, ago. it was great. Um, <laughs> you, you talk about how you started out your political career at like eight, um, stuffing envelopes from McGovern. Yeah, um, I did. And uh, like that was me with Dukakis too. Uh, so we have that awesome. in common. But it's interesting how this whole there's this been this political realignment. So. You're a lifelong Democrat. And right now, Trump may be your only hope for pardoning yeah. Um you're, you, went on, you had to go on Tucker Carlson. Right. And we talked about this yeah. a lot. How like what happens is the kind of there's this Democratic mainstream liberal media. And I, even saying that I sound like a right winger. But like because there's no audience anywhere else, if you want to get express what you want to say, you are forced onto someone's someone show like Tucker Carlson, and yeah. do you get called it's a true. Trumpian? Like, can you talk about this experience and how you <laughs> deal with so it? It's
2: so bizarre to me that anybody would think that I was a Trump supporter. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, Tucker Carlson is 100% right on whistleblower issues. He's always been right on whistleblower issues. He was an early supporter of mine, and I'm deeply indebted for that support. I think he's nuts on immigration and on on some other issues. But by God, on whistleblowers, he is entirely correct. As as crazy as things have gotten, I was invited to Pat Buchanan's Christmas party. If you (laughs) can imagine such a thing. But you're right. I I was a third generation Democrat. My grandfather had a framed picture of Franklin Roosevelt on the top of the TV that was there as long as he was alive. Um, and, And I left the Democratic Party in 2012 only because of what the Obama administration did to me. I've, I've come to believe that so many Democrats are so conservative in that war-loving, neoliberal yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. That I, I just, I can't anymore. It's almost neoconish
1: it's, in some ways. It's not even just neoliberal, is. right? Because they actually support is. the I, war agenda. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I don't find much of a difference between the neocons and the neoliberals. They At the end of the day, they support the same thing. You know, wars for oil, wherever we might find them. And so, uh, yeah, I left the Democratic Party. Um I would love to go on CNN and talk about these issues, but I'm not invited. I'd love to go on MSNBC and on rare occasions I'm invited to MSNBC. But I I have problems with MSNBC. I did the Ari Melber show a couple of weeks ago and um, he called and said, hey, we're going to have Dan Ellsberg and Dan's a good friend of mine. I said, yeah, I'd love to be on with Dan. And so I went on. Dan had already taped his segment. So I went in wearing my suit freshly shaven, which I'm not now, I apologize. (laughs) That's all right. You like the authentic um, look. (laughs) And I go on and he introduces me as former CIA leaker and convicted felon John Kiriati. (laughs) And I said to him, can I swear on this show? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, of course. I said, motherfucker, is that what this is? Is this a setup? And I went to take off my my, uh, microphone. And he says, no, no, wait, 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 sorry, what happened? Well, what's wrong? I said, you're going to introduce me as a convicted felon. That's what this is about. I'm right. happy to talk about what I did and the fact that I have zero remorse. Yeah. for What I did. But if you're going to try to undercut my oh, credibility no. from your opening statement, I'm not playing games with you. And so we redid the whole thing. And, and leak or not whistleblower thing, also. Right. Leaker, not whistleblower. And I'll tell you what, it took my lawyers a year to get CNN and MSNBC to stop calling me CIA leaker John Kiriakou and to start calling me CIA whistleblower John Kiriakou. CNN did it first. MSNBC didn't do it until after I was in prison. And then even now, well, I've turned down three requests to do the Rachel Maddow show because she insists on referring to me as John Kiriakou, who styles himself a whistleblower. Oh, my God. Styles. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, you know, I don't need to do these interviews. I don't gain anything from these interviews. So why would I subject myself to to harassment like this just so they can get their digs in? It's just not worth it to me. I'm not doing it anymore. And I'll tell you the truth. I, I just can't watch MSNBC anymore. Neither can
1: I, I, I mean, for comedic value, I do. And or it or it seems if I want to tweet them. Yeah.
0: And they and they weren't terribly, it turned out in the end, terribly interested in your point of view on the whistleblower story anyway, right? No. They thought, yeah, they thought you were gonna be like, yeah, rah rah, right? But you you were That's right. You weren't even saying negative things, you you were just saying <laughs> we we just have to kinda of wait and see,
2: right? That was the funny thing about the whole interview. The substance of the interview was him asking me nine ways from Sunday to Endorse what the CIA whistleblower was saying and I kept saying but I don't think this is a whistleblower You know, I there there really is such a thing as a deep state. You don't have to call it the deep state You don't have to be conspiratorial about it. You can just call it like I call it the federal bureaucracy Yeah, and and at the CIA We have this this thing this leadership level called the senior intelligence service SIS Mm -hmm. and people who have been or who are SIS have been at the CIA for 25 years and 30 years and 35 years and they know that they can outwait presidents they can outwait this president presidents come and go and they don't they're there forever so if you don't like Jimmy Carter which they didn't or or uh, Bill Clinton or Donald Trump you just ignore the guy and you wait for him to go away after 4 years or 8 years right that's what the deep state is to me Right. right.
1: I like that federal bureaucracy. We yeah, got no, that,
2: yeah that, that, that'll term. be easier. Yeah, no, that's
1: another thing they use: the conspiracy theorist or the Trumpian,
0: right? To, to yes.
1: d- discredit people. Yeah,
0: and they they, they even kind yes. of lean into the word to the term deep state in order to discredit it. Yeah. Right. They meant to bring yes. it up as many as many times as they can. Uh, just just to yeah. absolutely right, yeah. yeah so you wrote a, a book that you, that, that I, I just finished reading this weekend, doing time like a spy, and we were talking about this off off air i, I don 't know why uh, well apparently there, there's some news on this front, but this should be a this should be a movie, yeah. so the premise of this book it 's all true <laughs> you you you're set yeah. to, set to do your thirty months for for the 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 crime that you talked about. And you think you're going to go to minimum security work camp in Loretto, yes. Pennsylvania, and you show up. And I think probably most people don't realize this that even if you're recommended to go to minimum security yeah, prison, the Bureau of Prisons doesn't have to do that, right? No. They, they, yeah, they can just sort of decide. So you, sh- you show up and you end up in real prison. And basically, the book is about how you used your CIA skills to negotiate two years of hard time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so talk first about that. What was that first realization like when you when you realized, oh, my God, I'm going to have to. Yeah, you're going to I'm going to have to do something, you know, be in a real prison for a couple of years or or more. And uh, how are you going to navigate that?
2: You know, when when you first go to prison, it's the oddest experience. You're in a state of shock. You can't believe that this is happening to you. And what you do is you, you literally just drive to the prison or have somebody drive to the prison. And you knock on the door and you say, hi, I'm John Kiriakou. I'm here to turn myself in. And they say, oh, OK, come on in. They put you through the metal detector and then they process you. It's the most bizarre experience. So as you as you noted, the judge recommended that I go to the minimum security work camp. Camps are generally attached to a higher level prison across the street because in the event of a riot, it's the campers that do the cooking, do the laundry, mop the floors, make the prison run. And, uh, you know, there are no bars on the windows, no fences, no locks on the doors. You're on your honor not to abscond. You can come and go as you please. And most people work in town, sweeping floors at the local university or whatever. And so I got there and and I turned myself in and the cop takes me outside and starts walking me around to the back of the actual prison. I said, no, no, I'm (laughs) supposed to be at the the camp across the street. And he kind of chortled. And he said, not according to my paperwork, you're not Yeah. And I told myself, take it easy. There's nothing you can do. If you raise a stink, they're going to put you in solitary. So don't say anything. So I didn't I didn't say anything. And it took me five days to get access to a phone. My first call was to my lawyer. And I said, hey, they put me in the actual prison with the drug dealers and the mafia dons and the pedophiles. What do cho- I do? The
0: Chomos. Right? The Chomos. Yeah, yeah,
2: Which was a whole other experience. Oh, child molesters? Is yeah, that yeah. Child yeah. Molesters. Yeah. And he said, oh, my God. Well, he said we could file a motion, but it'll be two years before we, we get a hearing. He said, you'll be home by then. I'm sorry, buddy. You're just going to have to tough it out. <sighs> and so I, I said to myself, you have lived in far worse places than Loretto, Pennsylvania. And I've gone nose to nose with men a lot tougher than the clowns that I ended up locked up with or being subordinate to. So I decided I was just going to take these lessons, these life lessons the CIA taught me, and I was going to use them to ensure that I remained safe and at the top of the, of the social heap. And if that meant manipulating people, then I was going to manipulate them.
0: The book almost reads like a how-to of how to, how to – Cope in really any environment, but you talk about the the four different things that people respond to when you're trying to manipulate them to. I guess you're you're trying to recruit basically spies and people yes. informants. So there's revenge, greed, ideology, and excitement, right? And and yes. uh, can you talk about what an example? Like what what's what's an example of how to get? Do they use an, uh, an example of how to get somebody to? For instance, steal something out of a CEO's uh, office, or right, like, like yeah. clips or something like that. Like, h- how do you use those those techniques to to get somebody
2: on your side? Let me preface this by saying that when I when I wrote the book, I asked uh, Oliver Stone if he would uh, write a blurb for me. I, I've known Oliver for a long time. He's a he's a good guy. I consider us to be friends. He said, "Sure, I'll write a blurb." You notice that no blurb from Oliver appears on this book. <laughs> so, uh, so I sent it to him and. You know, we were coming up to deadline, so I called him and I said, "Hey, Oliver, um, I really need that blurb. Can you get it to me?" And he kind of exhales. He said, "All right, listen. I read this book. I think you come across as a total asshole, <laughs> and I don't think I want my name associated with it."
1: <laughs> can, you, can you pass me the book?
2: Yeah. So, uh, to give you an example of of manipulating somebody to get something I need, you mentioned clips, right. or, you know, these binder clips, these metal clips. Oh, that's, okay. yeah. Right? Well, you're not allowed to have those in prison. They're considered to be contraband. But every once in a while, you'll see one because somebody stole one out of the, the warden's office. Well, what you do is you identify the guy who mops the floor in the warden's office. I also needed highlighters, which are also considered contraband. And so you get close to this guy who mops the floor, and you you try to learn what's important to him. One of the things I learned in prison is everybody's innocent and everybody's appealing his case, right? right? Even though they're all actually guilty and appealing their cases. right? So you talk about how you were wronged by the justice system, and I bet you were wrong too. I bet they're trying to screw you so you can't appeal your case. You know what those bastards did to me? They took all my my binders i wish i could get back at them you know (laughs) and the warden was talking smack about you the other day i overheard him in the hall and then you let him say hey you know what they have binders in the uh in the warden's office i've seen them like it's his idea right yeah right oh man i i sure could use i sure could use some of those binders and you know we should get back at that bastard (laughs) <laughs> and the next thing you know, you know there are some binders laying on your pillow when you get back after lunch.
0: Right, and you got a you got a friend for for the duration, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: You better not go back to jail no. because people are going to know about this book. Yeah, they're going to see they're it coming. Uh, they yeah. be smart about your yeah. Ups-
2: I'm surprised in it's on not it. banned in in jail. Yeah, I, I'm almost offended that it's not. <laughs> yeah, I know it should be. Yeah.
0: This whole thing happen, happening now with Ukraine and the these this sort of dueling investigations that are d- dominating Washington right now. There's the, the, the Durham investigation on, on the one hand of the origins of Russiagate, and all of your former colleagues are sort of heavily talking about that. Um, and then, then there's the Ukraine situation with the whistleblower and impeachment and all that. How do you see all this playing out? What do you think is actually going on here? I mean, it's, it's a very complicated tableau.
2: It is complicated. Um, I think Donald Trump probably did commit impeachable acts. Um, I think that in in public speeches, he has he has expressed willingness to commit other impeachable acts, like on Sunday when he said he wanted to take Iraq's oil uh, or when he said that he wanted to bring back waterboarding and a hell of a lot worse. (laughs) Um, I think those are impeachable acts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think that the Democrats on the other hand, maybe going about this whole thing the wrong way. Uh, I know that the rules were imposed by the Republican majority when, when they controlled the house, but that doesn't mean that closed sessions are the right thing to do. And so uh, I think that it's to the benefit of the American people to have literally all of the information out there. I think that we deserve the information so that we can make our own judgments. But I think Donald Trump probably has put himself in a corner that he's not going to be able to get out of.
0: You were an investigator for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Is it normal? Like, the, the thing obviously there's there's very often closed hearings, the things that go ha- go on in the skiff and the, the 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 controlled uh, right. What does that stand for? I don't even remember.
2: Uh, right? Secure, uh, compartmentalized information facility, maybe yeah facility. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the question is 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 there anything that's odd about having an impeachment hearing out of the out of the intelligence committee?
2: Yeah, see, this is this is a big difference from the impeachment hearings of the Clinton administration and the Nixon administration. Uh, in those cases, there were joint committees. they were specifically uh, impeachment committees, select committees. Um, that's not the case now. Now this is being handled by the intelligence Committee, which, you know, by its very nature is going to be, um, secret. And they're going to have a lot of these hearings in the skiff behind closed doors with no access to journalists. I think that that's a disservice to the American people. Uh, you know, we all remember things like, or we maybe we don't remember them. Maybe we've seen uh, video clips of Howard Baker uh, asking a witness in the Watergate hearings, what did the president know and when did he know it? Well, we deserve to hear the answers to those questions. So yeah, I think that there should be a joint committee if the joint committee uh, i'm sorry if the republicans uh, don't want to uh, have their members serve in the joint committee at the very least there should be a select committee that meets in open session
1: um yes. just a few more questions i'll ask you at once and then you can figure out which ones you want to answer first one is did you join the republican party or did you just leave the democratic party <laughs> uh, No. and then no. what happened to your pension did okay. any democrats defend you and then this is kind of a long one but Matt talks about in a piece he wrote about how people think that Donald Trump is like the worst thing that there is out there and uh and that there's actually worse things that involves the intelligence community or the federal it's, what is it federal uh what did you call it? Federal. Federal bureaucracy. bureaucracy. I, guess bureaucracy. I was just yeah, really saying that
0: they're they're more they're potentially more dangerous yes. than Trump, which is, is but, why but, yeah. they're why
1: a yes. coup isn't a good idea, for instance. So um, you as someone who's been in the CIA, can you offer any insight into that? Do you agree with that? Um,
2: and you don't have to. And yeah. You don't have
1: to. But yeah, I thought I thought that you would know about yeah. what that would look like.
2: Sure. I'm happy to answer all those questions. Okay. Um, number one. No, I'm not a Republican. Okay, I, I will. Ne- I will never be a Republican. I can't be a Republican. I could see myself maybe perhaps someday being a Democrat again. But in the meantime, yeah. I consider myself to be part of what's called the libertarian left, and uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, my pension uh, as part of my conviction. The federal government confiscated my pension. I had seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars saved in that pension. Twenty years of proud federal government service and the only person who ever came to my defense was John McCain. Uh, John McCain sponsored an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act to reinstate my pension. It was taken out in conference committee, which we kind of expected, and he intended to, to re-address it, and then he got sick, and then he died. And so I'm back at square one.
0: Did, did they take, was that civil asset forfeiture, How did they t- I mean, or did they just cancel it? How did they do that?
2: Yeah, uh, it was, it's a part of the civil asset forfeiture uh, program. Um, Yeah. And again, I was the only person that that had ever happened to. Uh, My attorneys now believe that uh, that was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And there's something called a a writ of quorum nobis that we may uh, pursue. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. If I don't get The only reason I want a presidential pardon is to get the pension back. Mm. Uh, If I don't get the pension back, I'm going to have to work till the day I die. And so I'm kind of stuck. Your third question. Yeah, I think there are things and people that are a lot worse than than Donald Trump. You know, it's funny. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. Let's say Donald Trump is impeached. And let's say that somehow the Senate comes around and he's removed. That makes that makes President Pence. And that scares the daylights out of me because Pence is a is a true believer in so many things that so many of us uh, have fought against all these years. I don't trust Pence uh, in national security. I don't trust him in domestic uh, policy and domestic security. So, yeah, I think there are there are things that are a lot worse than Donald Trump out there.
0: Yeah. All right. John, thank you so much
2: for coming. Yeah. I really. And appreciate no one's it. been
1: punished. Right. Yeah, Except for you. None of the torturers were punished. Right.
2: Literally none. The torturers, the people who who conceived of the torture, who implemented the torture, who destroyed the tapes showing the torture, who wrote the legal uh, the legal uh, positions advocating torture. Nobody. I'm and, the only one.
1: And nobody's is uh, defending you now. As, as, as whistleblowers are becoming apparently an exalted class, you're still not included in that.
0: Well, he, sometimes. Yeah. No, sometimes I, mean by, I, I
1: mean by the people who are the Rachel Maddows. I mean, you, to oh. us you are. But that's what I meant. Sorry. The no. official, the people who are no. now talking about it for the first time is what I mean. They're not retroactively right. putting you into it.
2: Yeah, that's why we have to keep up the fight. You know, it's funny we national security whistleblowers there aren't many of us and so we have kind of this club like right. we're all friends we all we have dinner together we go to events together and give speeches together and it's become kind of a tightly knit group uh but that's a shame
1: and a lot of you aren't available right i mean you're in jail or you're in russia or what have <laughs> yeah. you yeah
2: you're, you're exactly right
1: gets in
0: the way john thanks so much really appreciate it Yeah, thank it. you
1: so much
2: Thanks sure. for having me it was a lot of fun yeah. right.
1: appreciate
0: it take care now right. thank you bye-bye all right, so that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, that was great. I don't Guess, have a lot
0: of CIA friends. Do you have a lot of? CIA? I'm sorry, to interrupt. You like again.
1: former CIA friends? Yeah, or any CIA. Could friends. I tell you? I'd have to <laughs> kill right. you. Right?
0: <laughs> Maybe you are. Yeah, it's true. Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: Someone actually once told me I should join the State Department. Really? I was like, uh huh, okay, yeah. Wish yeah. me luck on that one. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to clarify that I wasn't like face shaming John Brennan. <laughs> I mean his scowl. He just looks so angry, and he does have a and, scowl. Like, yeah. I mean, he's not. Yeah. I'm not going to judge his face. Which I don't
0: think it was his face that they were hiring when they, when they made him an a MSNBC my God, yeah. He's contributor. He looks so...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Clapper, too. Clapper what? looks like a little troll. You'd almost like him if he were good. Yeah, he'd be a Cla- cute Clapper little looks, elf.
0: its something like that. Industrial Light and Magic would make, yeah. you know, for for something like I don't know, a movie like Willow or something yeah, like that. Exact. Right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh
1: yeah, he is like a little you know, like Willow. grows guy. out of the yeah. ground
0: or something. Yeah, he's yeah. a very scary looking dude actually. But
1: he—but if he were good, he'd be a cute like good creature.
0: Yeah, he'd be like <laughs> like a Yoda.
1: Oh, he like He does—he
0: does have a little Yoda thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, Cl- but Yoda—Yoda Yoda is cute.
1: I know, but I'm saying if Clapper were good. We'd find him cute in a Yoda way.
0: Yes. Now I'm imagining Frank Oz's hand up, f- oh yeah, his back. You're That's not the
1: first person who's imagined that. That's a thing. <laughs> just
0: kidding. Uh, all right, excellent. So yeah. no, that, was um, that, that was that was interesting, and I think it was it's worth talking to him just because suddenly we were all having to become experts in this like world that none of us knows anything about, right? Because these intelligence terms are are right. becoming the, the, the impeachment's being run out of the Intel committee. None of us really knew how that committee works or any of these terms or anything so people like him are becoming more of a a resource yeah
1: and it also is really scary I mean it's like something that I feel like joins the whole show together including the name of our show is that if you are critical in a way that ever lines up with Trump ever lines up with Putin uh, or RT you're they're, they just use that against you, right. and it's really infuriating. And it's like you constantly kind of have to check what you're saying or how you're saying it. Right. And even when he said how he got on, on Tucker Carlson and, and thanks to your tweet, and I'm <laughs> sure you're thinking like, great,
0: yeah, exactly, but that's it's gonna it's be viral. It's not your fault. Like yeah. it's
1: not that doesn't make you right wing. The fact that for political reasons only the right wing is picking it up is a failure of the left. and liberals. It's not because you're a right winger.
0: Well, the whole whistleblower thing was, like, when when that came up, I was, all I thought to myself was, where was all this when all these other whistleblowers were were coming out? Chelsea Manning, Snowden, Snowden, Kiraku, And I thought that was kind of more of a progressive take, but, you know, whatever. Now now it's all been kind of flipped. Yeah.
1: I mean, as Glenn Greenwald said about um, Snowden, if he had come out during the Bush administration instead of the Obama one, MSNBC would have a Big um, statue of him in front of. Uh, he'd have a show. Building. Yeah, he'd have a show.
0: Right. Yeah. And we'd hate him.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel <laughs> okay, like he's I'm too. Kidding, no, no, but I feel like he wouldn't last that long. No. Right. That's you know, probably, he'd be like, true. I'm not going to say these things. I refuse to. Uh, yeah. My impersonation of him. I can't really impersonate him. Yeah, we no, should no, get him he's, on the show. he's
0: not. He's not really hammy enough for TV. No, I, I like, like him think. though. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in to Useful Idiots, yeah. and we'll uh, see Rate you next review week. Review us on iTunes. Yeah. Because because Pod Save America is terrible.
1: The Pod Save Americanists when
0: Right. Wee!